Hey everyone and welcome to Cafe Booleans. Uh, today we apparently, I've just been informed, uh, marks the anniversary, the one year anniversary of Susie and myself, uh, John, uh, coming on and stealing the podcast away from Alex and Foster. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mutiny, I tell you. And we have no backbone, so we just let them have it. <laughs> That's all right. So hope you've enjoyed having Alex and Costa on while we gradually push them. <laughs> Phasing them out. Yeah. Phasing them out. I think we might just change the name of the show while we're at it as well. You might as well. If you can come up with a better one, it's it's all on you. You've got it. John and Susie, half hour, and then we go for an hour. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I love that. That's like the, the band Ben Folds 5, which is three people. <laughs> Those names are great. Um, anyway, I'm here joined by Susie and Alex, uh, and Costa unfortunately couldn't make it tonight, but uh, as some of what we're discussing might pertain to him, we'll see if we can get him to send in audio recordings on his phone from wherever he currently is. <laughs> um, but just to get into it, uh, tonight I wanted to talk about open source, open source software, uh, the idea of remixing and intellectual property and how that all comes into video games and where that should go. Um, now, just to kind of outline this for everyone, this will be a little bit of a rant because it's very complex, but let me try and kind of keep it succinct. Um, recently, I watched a documentary called RIP or RIP, a remix manifesto. This came out in about 2008 or so. Um, and this is a self-proclaimed open source documentary about open source movement and kind of the gray areas of intellectual property um, and where that gets all kind of messy in all kinds of industries. Um, you can actually go watch it on YouTube at the moment. Someone's kindly uh, uploaded it there. Um, and the reason this documentary is called open source is because the filmmaker basically, as he was building it, put up a website, put out the content that he was making and then asked the community, like, you can do whatever you want with this content. Um, you know, edit it, put extra content in, do whatever you want, and then like re-upload re it. And then I'll put that all back in the final documentary. And it's actually a really good watch. Uh, and you can actually see like different sections where like I think there's one section where like a university class ended up doing like animation rotoscoping over the top. Um, and it just it's really cool thing. But so it's an example of open source, which is trying to do. Um, Anyway, watched that recently and that kind of got me thinking about, you know, intellectual property, open source. Um, and I was also reading a book recently kind of about scientific progress and how like a lot of uh, big discoveries and stuff aren't just one person as we're often taught in history class. It's not usually just one person sitting in a room and having a random idea. It's usually the result of a lot of work from a lot of people and then it's that one or few people come along and kind of pull it together in a new way. So um, the keeping these two things in mind, I guess for me, it kind of paints this question, which is um, would it be an ideal world where we had uh, a lot of our tools, a lot of whatever we make as open source or open to the public to uh, look at, uh, the code behind it, if it's uh, software or like the raw materials behind it, so then they can uh, learn from it or like take it and remix it themselves. Um, 
And look, there's so much there. I I could go on, but I think at this point, uh, maybe let's open it up for discussion. Have you guys have have any immediate thoughts on anything um, that I've brought up so far? Um. Yeah, I mean, as you, so your question was in an ideal world. So yeah, I mean, the answer would be yes. In an ideal world, everything would be open source. Um, I think from there, I think we would need a mass kind of education um, yep. on value, as in, like you know, I've downloaded um, Pure F so many times, like on different machines and stuff like that, and that's like one of those. I'm pretty sure that's open source, but if it's not, then oh no, it's not open source. But it has the same model that a lot of open source have. I'm just using this as an example. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Where it says enter a value um, that you want to download it for, and you can just put zero in and you download it. First time I download it, I will just say I did. I did put. I checked like five bucks at it because I was like, yeah. I do have this. I could just use Paint. I could just use this software. This is just making it easier. But I know that one that's out of a lot of people's scope, uh, like you know, reach to do that kind of thing. Um, and two, I don't know how much, I guess you'd have to do research to know what kind of numbers, whenever you tell people, you know, um, look, just pay what you want, how many people actually follow through with that and then how many people just make it free. It'd be like piracy would be like non-existent because mm-hmm. you literally can't pirate it. It's there for you to take. Um, yep. I know this is going away from open source, but what I'm getting it's at connected. is it's the same model. Yeah, you would have to educate people from the ground up on value of things, um, which might be true. Yeah. yeah, and so actually you brought up an interesting point. Um, and just to clarify for people listening, um, when when we say open source, uh, generally and maybe more strictly, open source essentially means that the public are free to see all the materials, code, whatever it is that's built this product and take that and go off in their own direction and use it however they want themselves or they can contribute to it. So it kind of it's a movement that started in the software world uh, probably 40 or 50 years ago. Um, and there's a few different licenses and models for doing it, but generally you have a project on GitHub these days that uh, anyone in the community can contribute to and possibly there's an owner that may uh, you know, like verify that they're not submitting viruses or something like that. And then kind of it's almost like the community is building the product themselves. Um, this is often connected to it being free because it's part of that kind of mindset and value of having the software uh, free. Um, but connected to what you were saying, Alex, um, one one really interesting example was uh, Radiohead did an album uh, about a decade ago called In Rainbows, which I think is uh, people think is one of their best albums. Um, they had just kind of broken away from one of the major publishers and they decided to write and release this album themselves. They were probably one of the first examples before Bandcamp was even a thing where they put up the music and did the whole name your price thing um, from memory. And so people could download it for free or, you know, chuck them some money. That was awesome. People were doing it. Um, Then some people uh, on YouTube started doing like remixes of the music and doing like their own remixes of the videos and stuff like that. Um, and one of the old publishers or one of the companies that like at some stage owned the rights, I think it was the publishing rights to Radiohead's music, started like sending cease and desist letters to these YouTubers. Um, and they were like pretty devastated about it because they thought it was like 
free. <clears throat> Radiohead then stepped in and basically said, our publishers can't do this. You're, you're welcome to do it. Go out, remix it. <laughs> and so it was kind of like that whole kind of open source mentality and like a whole lot of creativity came out of it and, you know, a lot of big names started remixing. And yeah, so that's exactly what you're talking about, Alex. That's a one powerful example. Yeah, yeah, that 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 whole thing because you know there are open source bunches of open source softwares that we all use who's used now, but there's an understanding of you know like Adobe is just insane with what they charge, right? So they've kind of caused this shift themselves. Um, however, they are huge, so they would have a lot of overheads. I imagine there's also you know without knowing them, I'm not going to put anything in that. I imagine there's also an element of greed to it, but they also have overheads that, you know, and every software being free or keep saying that, sorry, being open source and therefore free. Are there any examples of open source that aren't free? Uh, well, yeah. So from my understanding, uh, it comes in all flavors, like both Google and Facebook. Uh, I mean, I guess they're technically free, but, um, I guess you pay with your data, Mm-hmm. Um, but like both of them put chunks of their products in like the open source market. And a lot of a lot of like big companies are starting to do this um, where you put like a chunk of your product in the open source market. So people can like the community can work on it and like kind of you're almost getting free labor in some ways there. Uh, but then also the benefits to the community is they can learn from the code um, or use it that section of the code in their own products. Um Depending on the license of the the open source project, uh, you can actually turn it into a commercial project. Um, and so, yeah, what was one I heard the other day? I can't remember the company, but it was I think it was a big finance company had recently open sourced their like AI prediction model or something like that. And so they're getting people like just the general public interested to work on that, and then they're using that for their actual financial predictions. Wow. Um, so yeah. And there's also uh, ways where, you know, you might have an open source product, which is completely free, uh, but then you could, if you're a company, you could do like a paid version, which has more features, um, or you could do like custom features for other products, or you can have like a teaching learning service around it that might be paid. There's there's so many different models around it. Yeah, like WordPress, how like it's free. So have the yeah. software, but as soon as you need hosting or anything, it's they have the paid model. Yeah. yeah. So I've also heard it being used as like a like a shrewd business tactic in a way. Like I don't know how common this is, but basically, you know, the whole how does it work? It's like if you make once the software becomes open source, it's not allowed to basically not be open source or something. Like I don't know if this is true, but this is what I've heard that. Sometimes with, I don't know, with businesses, like, I don't know, having whatever, they just make their software open source and that means no one can basically make money from it anymore. But I don't think you can make it go back. I think you, once a thing is open source, it is open source. You can't say, you can't like proprietary own an open source software or something like that. Yeah, I don't I don't actually know about it. I, I guess it would be, that would be real tricky where if you made it open source and the general public could uh, take their own copies and start their own projects based on it. And then you closed the source again. You probably legally couldn't say, well, they're now infringing on my copyright because 
they've got my source yeah. code. <laughs> That's the Dungeons and Dragons thing, right? Oh, so it? like Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, like the early ones, there's like an OGL, like an open game license. So you can yeah, use right. original Dungeons and Dragons and you can like remix it and create your own games, but you can't use fifth edition, like their current one. And if you use the current one, like you you could get well sued. Because right. that one's not open source. So like they said, Oh, you know, all of this one's open source, but not our new one. Like you can't this is a totally different iteration. This is a totally different game. It can't be remixed at all. But it's you know, it's not like it's a little different, but it's Yeah. Yeah. Know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's in reverse. So it was at one stage uh private and then after a certain amount of time, they just make it open source because they don't need it anymore or something. Yep. Yeah, and they've got a new one. And it still, like, encourages people to play Dungeons & Dragons, but they're still getting all of the profit from people buying 5th edition. Mm. Is that is that how kind of variations of Dungeons & Dragons come out then? So, like, if you someone starts another tabletop game that's maybe sci-fi, but it's based on the same core mechanics... Is that technically built on the Dungeons and Dragons open source? Yeah, well, you you do actually have to credit it if you use the OGL. You do have to credit it in your game. So at the right. end of every system that uses it, it will say this um, game is based or you know includes element from OGL three point five, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, so it, they do still have to credit it, but yeah, like um, I think like. That's another cool reason, and, and that that's something that I think you touched on earlier. Like, if you give something away, like say you know here, have the OGO, and then people start making things and testing those things. You, as like Wizards of the Coast, then you go, oh look, people are making a lot of games about you know space, right? Maybe we could bring back one of our D and D campaigns that we did earlier on space and put that in our new campaign. It like gives you that kind of insight or leverage right because other people's work is then informing what you're yeah. doing like. right so this is kind of heading towards the question that i kind of want to get to uh for the purposes of games because that's what we talk about on this show um <laughs> so there there is we've got like game engines such as unity and unreal that everyone knows and loves uh we've now got like an open source engine called godot i think that's how you say it um which is gaining traction um and i mean there's been other open source engines in the past uh some people have told me that there's open source elements to unreal and unity uh, i think it's a bit different but i don't know the specifics on that um but also if you look at some of the other tools that are kind of used in the game development process uh you've got like blender which is open source which is maybe not dominating the market but it's it's definitely one of the top 3d modeling programs and stuff like that um do you guys have much experience with open source software in the uh, game sphere? Um, and if so, could you see it building traction and actually like challenging the commercial alternatives? Do you know? Is Twine open source? I feel like it might be. And if it's not, it's like... Yeah, it is. Twine's it open is. source. Yeah. yeah, and that's probably the biggest interactive narrative engine, like yeah, like you know, outside of the big ones. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, obviously use that and Blender, like you were saying. But you, we probably can't, like you know, 
Do you think that like, this is like maybe throwing you off a little bit, but do you <laughs> think that we'd have like in games, we seem to be pretty like maybe more like open source than say some other industries. Do you think that's like because of John Carmack or do you think that's just like because game people make things? In, in, in what way? Uh, like, could you give an example of how we're more open source? Like tooling yeah, we'll or just, games themselves? No, I just, yeah, I think dev stuff. Like when you're talking about like engines and things like Unreal's open source, right? Or not because you have to pay if you. I've, ha- I've had different like, answers to this. So yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell everyone <laughs> to read it themselves. Uh, someone okay. said, someone, because I, I asked on our Discord and uh, someone said it's open source because you can view and change the code, but it's actually not open source because you can't redistribute the code yeah, yourself. Yeah, that's what I would think. Um, okay. So that's kind of a halfway point. Um, someone was telling me about Unity and their understanding is that they say they're open source because you can view the code, but you actually can't. It's probably a similar case where you, you definitely can't redistribute it. Um, and you may not even be able to change the code and put it in your game. I'm not. I'm not sure the specifics on that. I know in Unreal Engine, like recompiling the engine is really common, um, especially with Unreal because Unreal is a physics-based engine. So if you have to do things that basically go outside the world of physics, you have to kind of rebuild the engine. And at that point, you kind of can see everything that's running. Um, right. But then I guess that gets into the the weird thing of um, if your software is open source, which means anyone can add to it, then who's making the money off of it if you if you sell it, you know? And then um, on that as well, I think to your point, Susie, about um, the creative industry being, I think it's, you know, the creative industry of being very into the open source stuff. I was also thinking, wondering, is that because that's a, this is an industry where the people who are working in it are the ones making the programs? Whereas opposed to business, like it, it's such a business move to be like, I'm going to get someone else with the skill to build me a software and then I'm going to make money off of it rather than artists yeah. and programmers who go, well, I just built this because I needed it. If you want to just have it. Yep. Yeah, 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 totally. I think I think that's one of the key mindsets is like believing that you can extend the tool kit yourself and then mm-hmm. when you do going, yeah, other people will maybe find this useful. So then putting it out there or adding it to the, the GitHub repo or whatever. Um. Yeah, like like RemPy, like that's another interactive narrative engine like for visual yep. novels. And like RemPy is open source as well, I'm pretty sure. And yep. um, there was like people were building stuff in, in RemPy, but there was like we couldn't put the stuff on, like it didn't translate well to HTML5. Yep. The, the Python thing. So somebody built like just like somebody was just like, oh, I've made some code that makes it work. And then so the developers, they put that code in the oh, package. Have we lost Susie? I think so. <laughs> Unless she's deep in thought. <laughs> Mid-sentence, she got very deep in thought. <laughs> Luckily, uh, her back. brain is open source, so I can get into what she's saying. So, sorry, we've lost Susie. We're going to have to finish that sentence for her. Uh, Renpy, actually, she was talking about Twine before, um, which is an open source narrative. I know that was used in the development of Firewatch, if you've ever played that game. Mm. Um, the, the opening scene of that is essentially a, like a text-based narrative section, uh, mm. and they mocked that all out in, uh, in Twine, which was really cool. Yeah, right. Uh, I guess, um, uh, yeah, sorry, go on. 
I was like, while waiting for Susie, I thought just list off a couple, a few different kind of like open source. Let's see yeah. if it's like a, an ad, not ad. Because uh, yeah. you said there was the Godot engine. Apparently yep. there's a bunch of others as well. I've never heard of these, but you've got GDevelop, Coco's 2DX, Delta oh, Engine, yep. Yep. Starling, Panda 3D, Monogame, and Superpowers. And um, oh, this is all just about the engines. I was hoping to find programs. Like, I'm pretty sure Critter is open source. Well, I can say, like, I mean, in the music world, you've got a few programs. Uh, in, like, music notation, if you're doing, like, more classical-based stuff or that's the way you work, uh, there's one called MuseScore, which is an open source project, which is actually probably the biggest in that niche. Um, that's That's, like the biggest yeah product in the industry i reckon now um because all its alternatives while still big cost a lot of money and a bit clunky um mm. as far as like having full music production suites or like we would call them uh digital audio workstations there are open source alternatives they're not quite as good as the big players at the moment um but yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens there yeah um is audacity open source yeah, it is. That is that is uh, one of the big uh, open source projects. And actually, I found out uh, the guy that's like in charge of the design of MuseScore recently mm. got hired to be in charge of a redesign of Audacity as well. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, So which should hopefully be good because I think that needs a new uh, skin of paint. So <laughs> Yeah, right. What, um, what establishes like the quality control of uh, open source? Yeah, look, that's that's a really good question. Um, I'm I'm not the most experienced in open source development myself, but mm. from my understanding, is you do generally have someone who or a group of people who are in charge of the project or kind of like doing quality control. And like, I guess you know, if if you if you're using Git, for example, like someone needs to uh, verify that pull requests happen. Uh, and maybe double check, like I said, there's no like malicious code or real just stupid add-ons. And then possibly in some projects, it's like making sure it's in line with the common goals. So you do end up, I guess, in those cases with still a hierarchical structure and it's not a, just a completely flat democratic thing. But Yeah, sure. And also the, the languages themselves, they would be open source like you know, C++, C, yep. JavaScript. Um, yeah, so, so I was looking into that. I mean, that that gets confusing as well because languages technically aren't open source or they can't be. It's like because they're technically not software themselves, the actual like mm. compilers that you run them in are the software. And so some ah. compilers can be open source and others aren't. So right. like, uh, yeah, I... I think Eclipse that runs Java is open source. I think, uh, whereas right. you know some of your Microsoft ones would be probably less so. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Is um, because you can, like, you know how like they have a like. I mean, I'm not totally across different programming languages because um, I'm just a front end dev. Uh, not just, just a, a I didn't mean dev. that. <laughs> I didn't mean that to other can, front end devs. Can, can you do JavaScript? <laughs> I can, I can. That oh, is, that then you're count. fine. JavaScript that does everything fine. now. <laughs> yeah, but that's true. Yeah, the world runs on JavaScript. Um, and I just know we're going to get some hateful comments, but you know what? It's <laughs> true. Everything well, runs on JavaScript. 
Straight a- anyone who, anyone that you know, anyone that says that JavaScript can't do anything, go look up Electron and any other yeah. projects where you can now write full programs using JavaScript. Oh my god! Um, but uh, the one, the reason why I bring that up is like again, not in game development because this kind of area is not my part, but. HTML, which I know is not programming, markup language and stuff like that, and CSS. But those are the ones that I always see pop up with version numbers. And like, I'm sure JavaScript yep. does the same. And it's the community like requests something and then yep. it takes like eight years for the wizards to be like, okay, we'll allow this. Like, yeah, I, I was seeing this the other day to Costa because the uh, they've just released a CSS. Um, uh, hey, Susie's back. Hey, I got booted by the non-open source gods. <laughs> oh man, Who did we you dived into your open source brain though, and we've we've finished off the code ourselves. <laughs> That's good. I like to think I'm um, predictable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was saying that. Like, so I don't know if it's, if uh, whoever's listening and they they know their gaming programming language as well. And again, knowing that CSS is not programming. But I imagine they have a similar thing where like the last week or so they just announced, they just released a new CSS selector, let's say. Yeah, which lets you uh, target parents of elements before you can only target um, children of the elements. You could never go up. And if you go on any forum online, they all go, you're like, hey, I want to target the parent of an element. They'll go, yep. you stupid such and such. That's such an inefficient way. Why would you do that? Blah, blah, blah. But they've been asking for it forever and now it's a thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm That's sure awesome. the other ones have their own kind of Yeah. Like I think I think part of the reason it takes so long is because they have to make sure that the things that are being added actually do add like long-term benefit because- you can keep adding features to a language and it just, within 10 years time, it just makes that language almost impossible to learn the whole way through kind of thing. Yeah. So like I know C++ has been around for like 40 years and I'm just just starting to learn it now. And like some of the stuff I'm learning is like fundamentals with like pointers and stuff. And then unfortunately I had a friend who was helping me with understand it and he's like, this is how it's done and everything. And then he got to the end of explaining it and he's like, Having said that, we've now got like a modern way of doing it. Uh, and if you do it that old way, uh, people will kick your ass because <laughs> it's like risky and it's like could break everything. Um, whereas if they kept kind of like making modern, more modern and modern ways, then it's like I would have to go through, you know, like a hundred different kind of versions and learn it all before I could even work on a project, if you know what I mean. So Yeah, right. Makes it hard. Susie, as a recap, we were asking is programming like our, our programming language is open source and then i just went on a rant about yeah html and css if you missed it Susie, listen back to the episode just to take this in a slightly different tangent just because looking at uh, the time uh mm. we've been talking a lot about like toolkits and open source and kind of i guess intellectual property around that one thing that happens not just in music but i'll use a music example um is remixing uh, one big innovation was as soon as we could kind of record audio files and put them on computers and kind of mash them up and put them on drum machines and play them, uh, basically hip hop music was born. <laughs> where yeah. uh, And 
you know, people make remixes of music all the time. It's standard now. Um, there's an artist called Gel Talk who does it to the extreme where he'll just like blatantly mash up all these different huge songs from Metallica to Rihanna to everyone in between. Um, and he's gotten pretty popular. He's also gotten in trouble <laughs> a fair <laughs> bit because, you know, he didn't necessarily have the right to that. Uh, but without kind of going on about it, we're now seeing, you know, AI art uh, emerge and a whole lot of kind of argument and debate around that. Um, how that whole concept of remixing and using content that I guess maybe does have intellectual property copyright on it. Um, should we be doing the same thing with games? Should, should it be fine to take content from another game and then take it in your own direction and completely spin it off? Or should we still kind of have those legal barriers around it? And that would be pertaining to, I guess, uh, games that aren't open source or available. Like, you know, for yeah. example, like you, like you could have, um, I'm trying to think of the top of my head now, I can't think of it, but like, I'm sure there are games already that exist that are like a platformer, but then have like chess built into it, or they have, you know, something like, I don't know if anyone owns the rights to chess. I doubt it. But I don't know if, yeah. Um, so you're talking like, I've just yeah. made a shooter game and I'm going to chuck, yeah, and I'm going to chuck Banjo-Kazooie in there or something like that. So, okay, at a very extreme case, not that we have the technology to do this right now, but like mm. at an extreme case, you could take Cyberpunk and kind of take that game and then change it all up yourself, add whatever you want, and then kind of release it yourself. Now, there's obviously like glaring problems with this, but like <laughs> hypothetically, let's say you do that. Do you think that is a good thing that people would be able to have that kind of ability to do? My joking answer is uh, if someone remixes Cyberpunk to get rid of the like 40-minute exposition at the start where I'm riding <laughs> in the car with someone else, then yeah, I would love that. Um, no, I don't I don't think that's... It's, I'm trying to like figure out if this is a gotcha question because like I'm no, like... No, no. Yeah, because right. like straight off the bat, I'd be like, no. But it depends how old the game is. Yeah. Here's an alternative question then, because this is something people do. Uh, modding. So if people take a game and do like a full game mod where they, mm. maybe they take like an old Pokemon game or something and they create their own story, put in their own Pokemon. ROM hacking, that happens a lot. Um, do you think that is a beneficial thing for, let's say, society at large or whatever you want to say, that that should be allowed? Or should Nintendo be coming and smiting all these people? that's a that's such a tricky one right because um yeah i could i could see the argument for both sides right like um this is livelihood you're messing with right especially yeah. since you're modding usually you're modding current games um but you still require the purchase of the base game right i guess it depends how in that sense it's how tied you are to the art and the story like from a business perspective, art is always the first one to go, you know, um, like though you, or you probably even just to you as well, John music or something like that, like yeah. not a f an understanding of why I need my own art. Like let's just use an asset pack. Let's use a, like yeah. when time comes time to cutting costs, it's always music the first to go. So the thing is like, as an artist, 
are you comfortable with someone else remixing your work? Yeah. As a, from oh, a business a point question? of view. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it is a question. Yeah, yeah. Because it would be like from a from a business point of view, the, the producers and the business people are always probably the ones who could be like, yeah, well, look, it's got to go or that's fine if they do it because they're not seeing it from that. But at the same time, once it hurts their pockets, they could just be like, no, we don't like this modding. But it's still required. I'm all over the place. I realize this. No, it it's, the purchase it's of a broad, the base broad game. subject. No, this is a good point. I mean, to answer your question myself, uh, would I be hurt <laughs> if someone just took my music and remixed it and used it elsewhere or didn't even remix and used it elsewhere? I guess I would. There's there's uh, two key parts that come into why I think this doesn't currently work. And the first one is money and livelihood, like you said. Mm. Um, like from my understanding, like we live in a pretty capitalist world where you need money to buy at least food and shelter. Um, mm. Unless you've figured that out yourself, then please send us a message and let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's the first one is you, you kind of need a livelihood so you can stay alive, so you can keep making art and stuff like that. Um, the second one is ego based, I guess Mm. where, and I don't mean that in a bad way, it's natural, but like where you want to be recognized for your art. And so if someone takes it and just like uses it, that's kind of, they haven't put in the work to get to that point. And so it's like, why should they get the credit kind of thing? Mm. Um, in an ideal world, fantasy world, all right, we don't need money and I can get past the credit thing. I think if I just like go, all right, well, by making music, I'm helping, hopefully helping push music forward in some way and then someone mm. else can take it and then add to it and then they're helping pushing music forward in some way and so on. Um, I think that is a cool concept uh, and I guess this is, part of like why I find this whole topic interesting is it's like while it's not simply something we can just do is to make everything freely available it is interesting to me to see like the projects where people are actually doing that with his a lot of open source stuff and like just how that potentially increases both like the speed of learning of people just because they have access to all of this information but also just like free tooling um, so, you know, you could live in a third world country and if you can afford or get your hands on a laptop and internet, you can use Blender and learn Blender and you can create like a high quality 3D movie <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. So it's it's like speeding up learning and also opening creativity and that to many more people. So Yeah, and I think yeah. it also depends on the intent of the developer. Like... Yep. There are many developers who have like imb- like uh, Doom, you know, they embraced modding early on. They knew it was going to happen, yep. so they're like, just do it. And that ended up being in their favor because it didn't diminish the value of Doom because people still want to play oh, it. They allowed it, did they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, now you say that makes me go, I don't know. I'm <laughs> 99% sure I heard John Carmack recently say that they knew. No, no, you know what? I'm going to say 100% sure. They knew modding was coming, right? Um. Yep. Uh, well, not coming. It was a thing when they released Doom and they were a bit apprehensive at first, um, but then they saw the value of it. I think the value being you still need the base game because modding isn't pirating. Like you still yeah. need a base game. So as long as the developers are on board, that's fine. But it's, you know, 
it's such a tricky one. Like, as you said, remixes, they only work because you got the permission. There's so many news articles on Twitter pop up because someone sampled someone and didn't pay them the royalties or, yeah. you know, yep. they dig deep into the archives and found it was like 70-year-old music or something like yeah. that and they didn't have that intent. Yeah. Like, I was also, I guess this is a not a tangent, but a different train of thought. Say, you know, 30 years, whatever it is in the future when we have the whole Ready Player One system, right, where you just plug in, yep. you sit comatose yep. on a couch and yep. you're experiencing this world. And that world inherently has a game in it, right? Because it's the base package of a VR world. How do we get them in, right? Like basically there would be, you know, rooms or buildings, let's say, where you can go play um, arcade games or something like that. So in that case, you've got a game within a game. Yep. Um, But, you know, you didn't sign up for having... I I guess that would be... That's that's still the same old principle, isn't it? It's it's uh, as long as you got the permission. Because I'm saying like that's like because you said before, could you put a game inside a game? So I'm thinking, okay, what what could you do in the future of that being? And I think you could. It's the same things like you as music sampling. You could as long as the people are cool with it. Yeah, I just went around a huge circle, <laughs> just <laughs> answered my own question. No, so I think sorry. you just described Roblox actually. <laughs> 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 like. It, and if Roblox was open source, whoa, that would be crazy. <laughs> it's that uh, game we were talking about the other day, those a few episodes ago, where everyone's a volunteer, just some people are more volunteers yeah, than others. Yeah, that came to mind. And I was I was thinking about that. I'm like, you know, that like we, we painted them pretty bad. I was like, is that actually what they're going for? Unfortunately, I don't think they communicated that very well, if that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking that it's a language barrier kind of Possibly, thing. I think yeah. it, all, it, it comes back to the individual. Like, do you want to... Or the company, do you want this to be a part of something else? And personally, I'm cool with it. <laughs> yeah, I don't make anything. Uh, well, actually, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm not. Well, no, that's yeah. I kind of am. I think it's as you said, right? Like, if it's furthering it, then. That being said, I'm, the thing that made me just go, "Oh, I don't know," because I was like, oh, "I don't know if I've actually made anything worth taking." And then, yeah. like, I don't know, I'm pretty proud of the Booleans kind of characters and things like that. And I've had pe- yeah. as someone, which we've all joked about off mic, just say to me, they're just going to steal it. They're just going to steal the artwork. They, these were oh, they actually said that, did they? Yeah. They said, well, I'm just going <laughs> to copy it. And I'm like, why would Are you Are we actually that? NFTs yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, they were going to legit steal everything. Like, they were going to make their own podcast, make it pixel, all the stuff. And they just said, I'm going to take, these aren't. And have this pixel characters that look like us. <laughs> us, yeah. That's because, <laughs> because they were programmers. They came at it from a programmer mentality. Yeah. And he, he goes to me, uh, quote, great artist still, bro. Now, if you chuck bro at the end of any <laughs> kind of sentence like that, like, I am I, already your enemy. Um, I, I feel like he uh, mi- misread that book. <laughs> yeah. And that's what like, a great artist, because he's like, oh, you know, there's so much code that we use in our software that we just grab you know, from other sites and stuff like that. And he's, and then he's gone saying like, you know, artists learn to ne- need to learn to not be so precious about their thing. Just how programmers aren't precious about the thing that they create. And then that made me spiral. I'm like, what is that? I guess like, what's the, what's the difference between writing a huge chunk of code and going, ah, oh, just take it. I, I needed it for this, but use it for whatever. 
I think because that code can be applied to many things, but the art is is more connecting. Like you go, that art belongs to this project and you can just visually see it. And then they go, all right, Booleans must now be doing a um, a men's mental health quote unquote podcast, which is what this podcast was saying they were going to do. They were, they were going to, in their words, like a bro podcast. And I'm like, that freaked me out because I'm like, I do not want this associated with that at yeah. all. And he's like, we'll pay, we'll, uh, we'll acknowledge you guys or whatever you want. And I'm like, no, I do not want that, you know? Yeah, which actually that that's brought up probably another good point, which is, you know, why this doesn't always work is that whole like branding and association thing. And branding like, association. Which is actually helpful for the audience to know that it's a trustworthy source that <laughs> that they're uh, looking at. Yeah. And, you know, I you'd go into it with the best intentions, right? You're like, I'm making this open. I want to make this, uh, you know, chunk of code open source. Um, and then, I don't know, at the far end of the spectrum, let's say you have a hate organization that's like, yeah. oh man, this would have cost us thousands of dollars. Thanks for this code. Now we can spread the yeah. message of hate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it get it gets complex the more you look into it, doesn't it? It's a Ugh. one one thing though. I think in your example about um, you know, like using code and art, is that like I don't know what code they stole. Maybe they were breaching something there as well. But um, mm. like a lot of code might be open source, and that's fine. But like it with the art, like you haven't made the decision to make it open source or free to use. And I think that's where the line is. It's like. They can't just say, oh, it's art, so it's free to use. It's like the artists themselves need to put it out and say it's free to use. You know, go to like Unsplash or something <laughs> where it's mm. like uh, Creative Commons. Uh, like yeah. that's why the whole Creative Commons movement exists. <laughs> it's yeah. so you can find stuff that you can actually use for free. Um, and when you're you're working in such a limited space such as pixel art, um, you know, where our characters are something like 19 pixels high or something like that. Yeah. Like there is not a lot of space to work in, right? So if you found some way to make a piece of art that people can go like, oh, that is, that belongs to that project. Like Chrono Trigger, you say that and we know what that looks like, you know? Um, there's a lot of skill in, in that. For then just someone to be like, yeah, I'm taking that. It's so yeah. heartbreaking. And that would apply to anything. That would apply to music, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, Darren, like, uh, like there's a track of yours I listen to. Like I've got it in my game and chill playlist. It's the freeway. What's it called? Freeway hyper. Oh, hyper uh, freeway hyper station. Oh man, I'm, I'm trying to remember now. I know the yeah. one you're talking about. It's a drum and bass one. Yep. Yeah, but so that's the thing, right? So drum and bass is a is a, you know, you could treat it like a pixel art, right? Like it's a very there's a fine window to when you go, you hear it, and you're like, oh, that's drum and bass. Yeah, but yeah. yours has a sound to it. Like I'm like, yeah. I'll hear other ones, and I'll be like, no, that's a John one. Um, yeah. And then for someone to just be like, oh, I'm just gonna remix. I'm just gonna take it. You know, be like I spent so long to carve out my own area. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a good point, and because I guess when you develop something yourself, you do bring your own voice to it mm. inadvertently. And if someone steals it, then they stealing your voice. I guess where that doesn't work in their favor is that if they're just stealing from all around the place and they don't have a consistent voice and they don't have a consistent brand then and that may come across people listen to their music they're stolen for from 10 different artists they might go this sounds a bit weird but yeah and that's what people that's what you know is usually a the 
the things that people will say to cheer you up when you say like someone's just trying to rip me off or something like that is they'll say well like if you're creating the original then like your what you can produce is unlimited where if they're yep. copying from you they're very limited like it depends on what you release yeah that's all well and good unless you've like had one of those like <laughs> really good days when you're making something and you're like, I'm never going to make something this good again. And then someone uses it and you're like, oh yeah. man, that took me 30 years of like sweat to get to this point. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and that's another thing as well with it, right? Is, and I think I brought this point up when I said this to the guy that was going to rip us off. Um, code, superficially, code is, um, uh, it either works or it doesn't work. It's not subjective. Like a computer doesn't go like, uh, like you have code that works, right? We're talking code that is flawless. It does what it's meant to do. It's not full of bugs. It just doesn't change personalities and go, I'm not running that because I don't like the way it looks. Art, you could hit all the right things, right? You could have the, the right color palette, all these things. And people will be like, I hate it. Like it's a more personal connection than code. And then that person was like, oh, I see art in code and stuff like that. And I'm like, it's not yeah. art, it's not the same. It depends what kind of code you're talking about, though, because like if someone's written a really efficient way of doing things, like that's generally what they'll copyright or that's what they're proud of, because and they've put a lot of work into like developing that algorithm. And then if someone else just steals it without their consent, then mm. it's I think it's the same case. And some people will find code beautiful in itself, and but at the end of the day, I guess it's the program that you're stealing. You know, if you take a tiny chunk of code that doesn't amount to the same program i'm not saying it's okay but um yeah that gets real murky <laughs> it comes back to the consent yeah i, I think one thing i want to join this to though because we are talking about art is uh mm. with the ai art and i know we've talked about this before but i think it's very heavily linked to this especially because we're now talking about uh consent and intellectual property and from my understanding, one of the big concerns with a lot of AI-produced art is that a lot of the art that it was trained on was not free to use and was not open source and was not Creative yeah, Commons. Yeah, right. It was, it was, I know like one of the, uh, someone on Twitter was showing like one of the big uh, AI art programs spat out a piece of art that tried to reproduce the watermark that a certain artist <laughs> puts on all their artwork, <laughs> which was obviously not like open source creative commons. So yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's such a good point. Like, and then that makes you just go on a thing of like, well, aren't we just a, not an AI we'd be an, like I said, well, AI, natural you, intelligence. Well, no, you could look at, I mean, AI deep learning is based on human brains to an yeah. extent because if you if you you know if someone was born you kept them in a box their entire life and then you say paint a son they're gonna have yeah. no idea what you're talking about right yeah. but yeah you 20 years later have someone who lived a normal existence you tell them to paint a son they've had 20 years to reference which is the same idea of the neural network so yeah yeah totally uh <laughs> I, I mean this is an area that i don't even know if the law is even considered yet is like source material for training ai should that only be like should that have the same intellectual property restrictions what? as like any other art or creation yeah and also to add to that and what this thing is about what if you had ai created open sourced software like 
Can an AI work on open source software? Yeah, well, actually, so I don't know if you've heard of, uh, I think it's Programmer Copilot. So uh, GitHub, let me just double check the name of that. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You so just Git, write GitHub, one. Um, I don't know if this was always their end game, but Microsoft took it over. Um, and just, I think it was in the last year. Yeah, Git, GitHub Copilot, there you go. Your AI pair programmer essentially has been trained on all the open source projects that are on GitHub. Um, for mm. writing code and so like you use this while you're writing code and it suggests like it's like code completion but not just like the one line you're working on like entire blocks of code so yeah um, and a lot of people would be using it in open source projects so oh my god <laughs> why do I still have to work <laughs> why do yeah, I don't want to just do it all well see, I mean th- that's the thing eventually <laughs> When we don't need money. When it was, uh, what was I watching? Uh, the Orville. And they got oh, this from yeah. Star Trek. But like basically the point where you have like matter generators where you could just 3D print anything you want. We just like don't need money anymore because you, <laughs> you can 3D print food. You can 3D print houses. And then we just, what? I don't know, fly out in space and make stuff. <laughs> <laughs> in that sense though, who's making the um, one, the power that the 3D printer is using and two, the... Materials that the 3D printer uses. Okay, great. Now I have to go back and watch all of the Orville. Thanks. <laughs> Is the sun open source? Well, no. It depends who gets there first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll chuck a big Adobe logo on the sun. <laughs> you need a subscription, otherwise they move you to like Iceland. No, Iceland gets too much sun. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Was it is a Sun Microsystems? Does that still exist? <laughs> Sun Microsystems or Sun for short was an American technology company. Oh. oh, they had such a cool logo. Yeah, I know. That's the one where it says Sun from every angle, right? Oh, they were acquired by Oh, is that how the logo worked? <laughs> I'm looking at it now. I never realized that. Oh well. <laughs> it's so genius, it's too smart for me. <laughs> And it didn't save them. They were acquired by Let Oracle. Let that be a lesson this, to you. Where's Costa? Designs. We need him to be like, oh, yeah, they were acquired by Oracle. <laughs> I think. You know what's uh, hilarious? They were if you go to the Wikipedia by, uh, page, that acquired by Oracle is under a section called fate. <laughs> like, what was the fate of Sun Microsystems? <laughs> so Oracle is going to own the Sun. That would be right, because Oracle owns, like, most of the data on the internet, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, do they? Yeah, they're like, like I can't classic. remember what they own, but like a lot of the data companies just funnel straight back to Oracle. <laughs> Do they own Disney as well? <laughs> Disney's probably got a lot of data stored on Oracle. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Uh they're uh look, if we had twice as long for intellectual property, we would bring up Disney and <laughs> everything yeah. they do. And um we should wrap up in a sec, but you know, one one good example we've seen recently of uh, IP being released is that Winnie the Pooh went into the public the domain last year and now we've got the horror movie coming out. The horror movie coming out. And then uh, I've just seen the trailer for it. looks weird. doesn't even look fun. Yeah, it it, looks, it looks weird. It looks pretty B-grade, but I mean, it's yeah. cool that it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. And apparently that's why there's like a bunch of Pinocchio movies coming out and there's a Guillermo del Toro one coming out. Yeah, there's like two this year. 
the one currently is like the worst ranking Disney movie of all time or something like that. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be first or it's something. It's got Tom Hanks and Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. Yeah, and it still sucks, apparently. Apparently. I haven't seen it. Apparently, it sucks. Wow. Um, and it's directed by Robert Zemeckis. Mm. And that's, a, um, wow. yeah, I guess, as you said, if we had more time, but that'd be another thing is open source that then moves into public domain and, and the difference between open source and public domain, is it just by waiting out the clock? Well, sorry, I was distracted by how low the score Pinocchio got yeah. on Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I think someone told me that they basically Disney-fied it, which is, well, I don't even want to say what that means because it kind of ruins it so Make everyone make your own judgments. Um, and that, that's Wait, this not isn't like the Pixar booty thing, is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I said it ruins. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, everyone. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> so no, they basically change the story of oh, oh, like right. the original. They make their own new yep. uh, meaning to take away from it, which uh, you can make an argue for here. So wait, so you're telling me they remixed it? Exactly. That's what I was just thinking. Just said they they remixed it. Kind of. They they remixed. I guess you would say they remixed like like five percent of it. But that five oh, percent is like I don't know the main part of it that makes the whole thing work. I guess it would have to be. That's why it's doing so bad. I guess I'm not sure. But yeah, you yeah, know that's, that's an interesting crazy. topic as well. Is the um the idea of open source and public domain? I don't know how that works. Yeah. Thank yeah, God we're out of yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, we are. Um, all right. Question for this fortnight. Um, I've actually already asked on the Discord what's like the best open source software that people have been using in game development and got a couple answers and like Blender comes up a bit. Um, yeah. And I know some people use Godot. Um, but uh, I guess... Uh, let, let, let's put it out there again, like an official question. Um, is there any open source software that you actively use or used for a long time that you would say is qual- close quality to commercial alternatives? Mm. I think someone in the in the AGD Discord was working on a, I guess, an, well, they're making the game in Godot. And um, yep. they are basically letting everyone just add things to it. Oh, awesome. So I guess that's an open source game on an open source engine. So I was, that's cool. I guess, yeah. Um, so if there's more info on that, we'll see if we can agree yeah. to get them. They should, do a, they should do a game jam like that where everyone just works on one game. That's what I, I I'd, I'd said that in the Discord and I got grilled. <laughs> but I was, I was being stupid with it. I said... Um, Every day, one person has to work on it differently. They can do whatever they want to it and then oh, yeah. moves on to the next person. Um, they did not like that. <laughs> <laughs> but there would be a way to do it, a game jam like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, just for people listening, if you are interested in this stuff, uh, so like I would recommend checking out that Rip uh, Remix Manifesto documentary. And then another documentary that came out later on, which had to be inspired by it which is called everything is a remix uh both of those you can watch for free on youtube there's really interesting content about how everything it kind of follows those remix lines so um otherwise thanks for joining us today um thanks 
Costa in spirit and Susie, wherever you ended up, she somehow got knocked out of the cafe again. Um, and good to see you guys. Alex, take us out with the music. Bump, 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 bump. He's got it. He's got it. All right, see you guys. Bullions is hosted in Adelaide, South Australia. If you know of anything happening or would like to reach out to us or have a chat, you can find us on Twitter at LiveBullions or by emailing us at hello at LiveBullions.com.